Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. I'm going to read some short verses. You will recognize that the portion of this chapter 5, 6, and 7 actually are what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not going to read the Sermon on the Mount, but the verses that surround it, the two verses before it and then the verses after it. Matthew 5, verses 1 and 2. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. Then if you go to the conclusion of the seventh chapter, verses 28 and 29, and the first verse of chapter 8. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. It's from that verse that I get the title of the message this morning. Great crowds followed him. You know, wherever Jesus went, there were tremendous crowds. He was a person that drew attention. And people wanted to hear what he had to say on at least two occasions that we have in the scripture. There were such great multitudes that crowded around him, and when it came time to eat, there was no food, and he fed them from whatever was available, or 3,000 men on one occasion, 5,000 on another, plus all the women and children who were there. On one occasion, he had to get out into a boat and teach from that boat because the crowds were crowding around him so greatly. He attempted on one occasion to escape from the crowds and be alone with his disciples and he went across the sea only to discover that the people went around the shoreline and were waiting for him when he got on the other side. Great crowds were following him. We might ask ourselves why this is. I mentioned to you that I was at the West Virginia Baptist Convention Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I'm glad that I went, just took time off from work and went. I had uh, some personal motives for going, but those soon became secondary. I had attended several years ago, for about a year, the North Parkersburg Baptist Church, where this convention was being held, and I knew that they had built a new building, and I wanted to see it. I was amazed at seeing a sanctuary that held 1,200 people. And was told that the attendance was such that they were now having two more services. They couldn't get everybody into one. I know the pastor of that church, I've known him for years, and got the privilege of sitting down with him a while and talking to him. And I discovered some amazing things that they have grown to the point in their attendance. And they have always have people coming forward in every service, that they now have eight assistant pastors to take care of the congregation. They have a full-time youth person, a full-time youth minister, a children's minister. They have a full-time minister of evangelism. 
who does nothing but evangelism, and on and on it could go, and he told me that they were going to add one more. I got the privilege of riding in a, in a plush bus when they took us to, uh, to a, a banquet that we attended. I, I was amazed at the facility, but the thing that really amazed me was that across West Virginia, people from churches like ours and others came together and we filled that auditorium, that sanctuary, during this conference. And the things that happened there were a tremendous uplift. And I began to ask myself, as I was reflecting on today's sermon a bit, why is it that crowds were coming to that church, gathering together, taking time off from work, losing days of work. I lost three days of work this week. For the purpose of sitting there in, in a marvelous building, but there had to be something more attractive than that. Why would we do it? Our theme was witnessing. And we were preached to we were taught about the fact that we are to witness for Christ in order that he might draw people to him. Jesus said, I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And the task that we have as a church and every other church in the world is not to promote ourselves and that North Parkersburg church was not promoting themselves but I know many of those people and they were lifting up Christ and it was Christ that was drawing people to that tremendous church and hopefully it's Christ who draws people to us what is his secret what is there about him that is so appealing, so drawing, that people would flock to him as they did in his days of preaching and teaching, and that people will come to church like ours and others in order that we might hear about him? What is there about him that is so tremendous? I want to suggest some things this morning as to why I follow Christ, why I want to get into that crowd that is where he is. And I hope you will as well. And I would like to say, first of all, that I follow Christ because of who he is. Because of who he is. I don't know if any of you ever have gone to see some celebrity, like a movie star, that might be coming into Charleston, or some singing group, or maybe even the president or the vice president of our country. I've noticed that wherever the president goes, there's a crowd. Even as he toured the ruins on the West Coast, there was a crowd. One of the things that everybody seems to want to do is to reach out and make sure that he shakes their hand or they touch him or he touches them because there is something that is appealing about somebody in a position like this that will draw great crowds to him. And Jesus was this way. 
remember the time that there was a woman who had, as the scripture calls it, an issue of blood, could not be stopped, and she had gone to every doctor she could possibly go to, and nobody could heal her, and finally she found herself along the street as Jesus came down the street with the crowd that was following him. And she got in her mind that if she could just get through that crowd and just touch the hem of his garment, she could be healed. She made her way through that crowd and reached out and just touched his garment. And all of that crowding around him, Jesus stopped and asked the question, Who touched me? I tell you, that's why we ought to follow Jesus. It's because he is so sensitive to our needs that even the slightest little effort on our part to touch him, he will recognize. Who is this man that people want to touch? He's not a political leader. He's not even a religious leader. He's something so far beyond our wildest imagination that we even have times trouble putting it into words. But Peter said it well when Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's who he is. Is it reasonable that there would be even one person in all the world that would not want to be in the crowd around the Son of God? When we will do our every effort to be around and reach out and touch the president or a celebrity of some sort, the greatest celebrity of all time is in our midst this morning. And we call him Jesus, our Savior, who is the Son of God. Why would anyone not want to be in that crowd? So we follow Christ because of who he is. Let me secondly say that we follow Christ because of what he did. Let's go back to celebrities a moment. Some of you are golfers, maybe. I can't hit that little round thing. I've tried. It moves on me. It's never there when my club gets down there. I quit. That little ball defeated me. I went to driving range and thought, oh, that's simple. I would swing with all my might and that ball would go 15 feet. If I hit it at all, I gave up. But you know Arnold Palmer has a crowd following him. They call themselves Arnie's Army. Why do they follow him? Because of what he can do. He can hit that ball. Maybe some of you followed Muhammad Ali because you liked boxing. I remember well the newsreels after the Second World War of MacArthur and Eisenhower going down the streets of New York and millions of people flooded the streets to cheer on a champion because of what they did for our country. Many people have stood in the rain or laid into the night to cheer on a ball team when they came home. If they won, they don't usually get that big crowd if they lose. 
But we're going to cheer them on because of what they did. Well, let's ask ourselves the question, what did Jesus do that might draw our attention? Well, we know that he healed the sick. There was nobody who had any more compassion on people than Jesus. We know that he comforted the grieving. We know that he gave hope to the discouraged and that he even raised the dead. But those aren't his greatest achievements. Let me suggest two achievements to you that ought to draw us to the crowd that follows Jesus. One is, he went to the cross. And in doing so, he demonstrated the greatest love that could possibly be demonstrated by anybody, and that is when a man will lay down his life for his friends. I don't know as I have a friend that great on earth. And I don't know that I would be that great a friend. I would like to think that I would be, but if the chips were down, would I give my life for any of you? Would you give your life for me? There would be a question in our minds as to whether we would really do that or not. But we have seen it demonstrated in the person of Jesus Christ that he would not only would do it, he has already done it. That's his achievement. That ought to draw us in appreciation. You remember that as Jesus stood before Pilate, he tried to get rid of the issue and not deal with it, and finally he offered them the choice of Jesus or Barabbas. Barabbas was a person to be executed that day. And he thought he could get the crowds off his back by releasing Barabbas into their midst instead of Jesus. And they asked that Barabbas be released and Jesus be crucified. Think a moment of that man Barabbas when the soldier came down to the cell and came in and started taking the shackles off his arms and his legs and said to Barabbas, you're free to go. Barabbas must have been extremely surprised because it was his execution time and he was being, being let go. And Barabbas surely must have said to his jailer, why? What has happened? Why am I being released? And the jailer said, somebody else took your place. Who is he? They call him Jesus. He says he's the Christ. Do you think Barabbas ran and hid? I don't think so. I think Barabbas was in the crowd, trying to get a glimpse of the man who died in his place. That must have made a tremendous impression upon him that somebody voluntarily died. He was allowed to go free. Jesus paid Barabbas' debt. And Jesus paid my debt. And yours. And surely we will follow him for what he did. But secondly, I think we must follow him on another occasion for what he did, and that is he arose from the grave. You didn't know, Danny, that that was going to fit in with my when you pick that number to send to the choir this morning. But they put him in the grave. And everybody was distraught and downhearted with grief. And then the word came that 
there was nobody in the grave. But he had succeeded in overcoming death. The angel said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has arisen. Yes, he did. Jesus died on the cross. But the second great thing he did is he came out of the grave and demonstrated to us and have told us emphatically, follow me and you can come forth from the dead as well. And you know, there was a day back in my life when I started following and I found out that I had already overcome death. And you as well. Could anybody not follow one who gives you the power to overcome the greatest enemy that mankind ever faces? And when our time for death comes physically, we can go without hesitation because we know that we're not dead. We shall never die. We are eternally alive. He gave us eternal life. And for that reason, we must follow. Which brings me to point number three. We follow him because of what he can do and he will do. He can and he will forgive us our sins when we ask him to do it. You know, I think we underestimate the value that we as Christians have in being able to have our slate wiped clean. When we have committed all kinds of sin against God and against each other, we can go to the Lord and pray that he would forgive us our sins as we confess our faults to him. And the scripture says that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If I would follow for no other reason, that would have to be good enough. But I want to be in the crowd because this person that I'm following will forgive me of my sins. Secondly, he can and he will give eternal life. Yes, we're alive physically, but we're more than that. We're alive spiritually. And what makes us alive spiritually? It's a gift from God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thirdly, I think that we can say that he offers stability in the midst of turmoil. We've been thinking and talking and praying and doing all kinds of things with our concern over the West Coast tragedy that those people have experienced. And I realize that one of the things that's going to happen out there over the next few months is a lot of counseling for those who lost loved ones. 
who lost their livelihood, who, who lost their positions, and who went through that, that terrible turmoil that didn't last but a few seconds, but it left an indelible mark upon their lives. They're going to have to have counseling. The same thing happened in our 85 flood over the eastern part of the state. Lots of those people, kids and adults as well, had to undergo counseling to get them stable again. And those people will have to undergo counseling to, in order to, to be returned to, to stability. But this Jesus is the greatest counselor that the world has ever known. And he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. If you're faced with a turmoil in life, you need to be following Christ. Because he can counsel you into wholeness of life. He can take you out of distress and put your feet on solid ground. He can bring you to a place of comprehension and understanding and knowing that in spite of what might happen in this world, there's something more important than physical possessions. When people suddenly discovered that there was something more important than the World Series that said a lot for integrity of those people who made the statement. Yes, there certainly is. There's something more important than making a living. There's something more important than having good clothing and a fine automobile and a house to live in. The most important decision and uh, thing in life is what is our relationship to God above? And Jesus Christ, his son, can make us stable when we yield our lives to him. Then we have our feet on the solid rock and we shall not be moved from whatever catastrophe there may be. Lastly, let me say that we follow Christ because we need him. Let me tell you, I need him. I need him worse than any child needs a parent. I'm 56 years old, but I got the privilege of spending one solid day with my father this week. He went to conventions with me. We rode together, ate together. Ended the services together, went home together, and ate again together as before we went to bed, the whole thing. It was tremendous. And I realized that I missed that <clears throat> over a period of time. I haven't had that relationship. And that rekindled the realization in me that no matter how old we get, we still need that child-parent relationship. And I recall a little bit. Husbands and wives need each other. We might not think so at times. We might think I could get along a whole lot better without you. But when it comes down to the bottom line, there is a need that we each supply to the other. And friends need friends. You've heard me say it before, I know, that everybody needs somebody to whom they can tell anything. If you don't have that kind of friend, you need to cultivate one. Somebody who will take you like you are and not criticize you unmercifully, may, may constructively criticize you and tell you things, but will still love you. 
who can know the worst dirt there is to know and still put his arms around you. That's a friend. And I only know of one person who will go to that degree without any reservations whatsoever, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, and I need that friendship. I can lay it all out. He'll take it and love me just the same. I believe it was Edgar Allan Poe who, on his deathbed, was mumbling, and one of his attendants came in and said to him, What do you need? And he cried out, I need God. I think he died in sin and went to hell he never found God. But still, even as a sinner, he knew he needed God. Listen, I need to be in that crowd. I hope you need to be there too. Because I need many times to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. I need to talk to him. I need him when things are not going right as well as when things are going right. I need the forgiveness of my sin. Why do we follow Jesus? Because of who he is. Because of what he has done for us. Because of what he can do and will do for us. Because in the depths of our soul there is a need that nobody else can satisfy but Jesus Christ. There may be some of you here this morning who have never had that need satisfied. You can have it satisfied when you're willing to let Jesus come into your life. If you are wayward, you're a Christian, but you've not been like you should have been with the Lord. You've been walking too far back in the crowd. This morning, you can get right up close and touch him. And he'll stop and say, who touched me? And turn and minister to your needs. But if you've never joined that crowd yet, followers, today's your time to do it. Make your way into the crowd. Get out of your seat and come on down here and confess before God your sin. And ask the Lord Jesus, do what he can do for you and will do when you ask him. Give you eternal life. Then you'll be in that crowd who are ministered to by the greatest teacher, the greatest preacher, the greatest counselor the world has ever known. Jesus Christ, whom the crowds are following. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.